Welcome to the Citizens Youth Sermon Podcast. We are a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church and a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit nwgospel.com slash Welcome to my office. It's bright, it's colorful, this is a place I love to work, but I wish you were here because I, during this time of year, I love to have a bowl full of candy. You see, there's a tradition in my family at Easter time and at Christmas that we get the multicolored M&Ms, all different types, and at Easter time doing the, the Whopper versions, and you put it all in a bag, you shake it up, you put that in a bowl, and you just kind of snack on it as you go. That's a family tradition that I have. But during this time, we're spending a lot more time at home. We're spending a lot more time with our family, good or bad. Uh, there's a lot going on. And, and maybe your family right now is creating different family traditions or new habits during this time of year. Um, and I've heard about a few of them, and I think some of them are pretty cool. So while we're spending uh, more time at home, uh, some of our students, we put a story on the a question on the Instagram story, and some of you responded. If you don't follow us, by the way, yet on Instagram, get on there um, at NW Citizens. It's a it's a good it's a good Instagram to follow. Um, but here's what one student said: watching a movie every night and making lots of cranes. Movie nights are the best. Popcorn's great. Costco popcorn surprisingly good. Uh, another student said. Uh, my family made up a game where we have to guess our favorite things. These are a few of my favorite things. That's fun. Uh, another student said, listening to Bible study podcast before bed. Nice. We got some fun activities. We've got some soul growing activities. Uh, <laughs> lastly, a student said, sadly, yes, we are weekly cleaning. I get it. I like to have a clean space myself. Um, but all these things, these traditions, the habits that you have, the inside jokes, the movies that you watch together, your experiences, the games you play, the meals you eat, not only what you eat, but how you eat them, all have to do with building a family identity. It shows, you know, what is this family? What are we made of? What do we value? What kind of a family are we a part of? And that's the same for the family of God. What is our family made of? So last week we began our first week in our new series, Unfinished. And so in this series, we are going through the letter of Philippians. If you haven't flipped there in your Bible yet, get there. Um, It's toward the end, after the big book of Romans, get there in Philippians. Um, And this is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi. Paul is is likely in prison in Rome, and he is writing his church family, and it is a group of people who are, are very different, yet they are right there in the process of making a family identity. They are forming a family. And as, as Paul um, writes this letter to this family, he's gonna, he's gonna share what this family is made of. Uh, so just as a refresher, let's reread the first couple of verses that we looked at last week. So he says this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and the deacons, 
grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Last week we saw the who of this letter, right? From servants of Christ to saints in Christ. But as we get into this week, we're going to find out that of what this family is made of. We saw that we have grace and peace through the work of Jesus. But there's a significant line here because we have grace and peace from God our Father. You see, if God is our Father, then He's our Father collectively, right? That makes us a family, that makes us a people, that makes us together under God. God is our Father. And so if God is our Father, if we are a family, if we're brothers and sisters in Christ, what does this family look like? What does this family value? What does this family do? So this week, we're going to be answering the question, what makes up a gospel family? What makes up a gospel family? We're going to be looking at a few verses. We're going to start at verse 3 today. Um, So look down at verse 3, and we're going to get some really cool answers to this question as we move through the book of Philippians in the next several weeks. But even as we open these first sentences of Paul, we're going to see not only Paul's heart for this church family, but really what the heart of this gospel family is. So let's read it together. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always, in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayers with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Man, as I've been reading these lines this week, oh, they're so personal right now. I mean, yes, we're, we're reading these words uh, from Paul, and, and as, we, as we dive into these words and what they mean, uh, Paul's going to show us what a gospel family is made of. But I couldn't help but reading this um, as one of your leaders to you, right? It's from our Pastor Sam and I to you, our students, our brothers and sisters, citizens, our heart for you, our prayer for you, our love for you, how much we miss you and long to be with you. This heart that Paul shares is the same. So I'm going to read these first couple lines again. And I just want you to, uh, to hear them. Hear them as a word from your pastors and leaders to you. Let me read them again. It says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Man, Paul, you can, you can see it in his, his words. He's full of thankfulness. He's full of joy. Why? Because he shows us that this gospel family has the same mission. We have the same mission. I mean, look at this language she uses here. 
He says it's because of your partnership in the gospel. Your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. You see, partnership is an active participation. It's hands in. It's, I don't know, it's like an activity like Legos. Like you have to get in and and build and make. It's It's an active participation. And it's a participation that we're doing together. Participation isn't standing off and watching someone else do it. It's getting in there. It's helping. You see, Paul is so thankful for this active participation of the church because these people, they're not just watching him do ministry from afar. They're not just cheerleading him and be like, yay, good job, Paul. But they're, they're in it. They're advancing the gospel. They are sharing their faith. They're, they're, they're there with eager hands and excited hearts for the work that is being done. This means that when you follow Christ, you join a people. You join a mission and you join a family. We have the same mission and we we do this together. We participate actively together. And man, this has been one of the really cool things about this whole time together. Sure, None of this is ideal or how we wanted it, but there are some really cool like partnership, participation, ministry that is happening right now. I've been you know, looking through our Instagram and social media and seeing you citizens out there, and, and there's been so many things going on. I've, I've heard from people who are reaching out to their neighbors as best as they can, or they're calling up family or friends, people haven't talked to in a while, or trying to FaceTime or Zoom or, or talk to people. I've I heard of people writing letters to each other. I've heard so many stories from our students of of inviting their friends to watch this gathering, this live gathering, this Wednesday night gathering, and and having people uh, join in with us. Man, it's been really cool to see students sharing scripture on Instagram and through their other social media, just sharing what they're reading. And one of my favorite days of the week is Monday. Because our student leaders, there's a different student leader every Monday just sharing scripture and sharing what God is teaching them right there on our Instagram. And if you, again, if you don't follow us yet, get on there. There's, there's some good, uh, good word sharing happening there. And students are praying for one another. Did you know we have a citizens prayer team? Yeah, it's a group of students who we, we send out prayer requests every week and they are praying for you. It includes leaders and students and others. And, and if you have a prayer request, even right now, um, you can fill that form out online. Again, everything's at our, our landing page, nwgospel.com slash citizens. You can put a prayer request there. And our community is praying for one another, man. And just the general of people reaching out through texts and encouraging one another. This is active participation. This is ministry. And I thank God that your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. Man, how cool is it that when it would seem like our mission would be completely halted, completely stopped by everything that's happening right now, that it's not, that it's actually flourishing and growing and It's our mission. Man, it's been such a cool reminder for myself and for Sam to see that like this isn't, this work that we do is not just about me. It's not about Sam. It's not about our leaders. This is our mission together. It's our partnership in the gospel. As we read these lines, uh, we see that Paul 
his his words here are marked by three things. This mission is marked by three things. And the first thing that it's marked by is thankfulness. This partnership, this family, really one another are truly gifts that we've been given. The work that we get to do together, the work that's being done in us, we thank God for you. We thank God for this partnership. We thank God for one another. While the world is complaining and dividing, we unite in unity, in grateful unity in a mission together. So this mission, in Paul's words, we see are marked by thankfulness. But he also says, and my prayers for you all. It's marked by prayerfulness. Paul is praying for his people. Question for you. Have you prayed for a fellow citizen this week? Have you prayed for uh, a peer or even someone from school? Even right now, I encourage you, take out those notes or put a note on your uh, phone or write them in your Bible. Just write down one or two names and commit this week to pray for that person. This is a community of people who participate by praying for one another. We care for one another. We support one another through prayer. We know that this work this mission that we share, this life is hard and we pray for one another. We care for one another. So this mission is marked by thankfulness. It's marked by prayerfulness. Man, and last of all, it's marked by joy. He says, I'm making my prayers with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. Man, the world is so full of everything opposite to joy right? It's full of fear and it's full of worry and it's full of concern, but our lives are anchored in a joy that is unshakable. It's bigger than our present circumstances. And again, it's a joy that comes from the fact that we know that what God has given us is a gift, both the mission and one another. What we get to do has eternal results and that brings us joy. So we have the same mission. With joyful, thankful prayer, Paul reveals that this family is made up of people who have the same mission. But then we're going to get to one of my favorite verses in this whole book. The Philippians is full of some really good verses that you just need to like put on a sticky note, put on your mirror, like right everywhere. And this is one of them. I have it. I don't, you can't see it, but I have it underlined and highlighted in my Bible. Um, It's a good one. Let me read it for us. Paul says this, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Man, standing alone, this this verse is just so good. I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to the completion at the day of Jesus Christ. A bonus challenge, memorize this verse this week. So we not only have the same mission, but we have a sure hope as the family of God. We have a sure hope. Paul says, I am sure of this. I am sure of this. He is sure of this one thing that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He is confident. He is unwavering. He is sure of this. And what is he sure of? First of all, 
he's sure that he who began. This is important. We've got to pause here because it's important for us to remember that it is God who began the work in us. Like we did not achieve relationship with God. We were not good enough. You're not cool enough. You're not put together enough for God to reach him. He began that work in you and us. If you confess that Jesus is Lord, if you follow him, that is a work that God began in you. And we thank God for that work. Left to ourselves, we choose ourselves every time. The fact that we, that our souls cry out for God, that we say, God, I want you. That is a work of God that he began in you. And not only did he begin this work, but it is a good work. <laughs> it is a good work that God began in you. It is a good work because it is life from death. It is new life. It is the true life. It is a complete heart transformation. It is a good work that he has done in us and we thank him for it. He's transforming us into the image of Christ every day. So he began this work. It is good, man. And the one who was faithful to begin it will also be faithful to bring it to completion. This concept of bringing it to completion is this idea of perfection. Not everybody has this issue, but I have a perfectionism issue. I hate not being good at things. I hate trying new things because I'm usually not good at it right away. And I spend a lot of my time trying to perfect my life. But it is not me and it's not you who brings perfection. But it is God, the one who began it in you, will bring it to completion. We're unfinished. That's the whole title of this series. We're unfinished. But God is not finished working in you. This verse points out something really important about our salvation. Our salvation has a past, a present, and a future reality. He says, right, I've not stopped praying for you from the first day. It has this past element to it. From the first day that you believed until now, it has a present reality. And he says it will be completed at the day of Jesus Christ. There is this future reality. Our salvation is both past, present, and future. God has saved you. For those of you who call out to Jesus, who say, I want to follow him, say, God, you are my Lord. He has saved you. He has transformed your heart. He's given you a new life. And right now, presently, he is with you, continuing to continuing to transform you, continuing to build faith in your heart, continuing to make you more like Jesus. And one day, at the day of Jesus Christ, it will be completed in you. His salvation will be full and complete and finished. And man, <laughs> we look forward to that day when my brokenness and your brokenness and the brokenness of this world is no longer broken. This is our sure hope. This is the hope that we have. And what hope it is. This is just such good news for us. Have you ever felt like you're not in the place that you're supposed to be? 
or you're not in the place that you want to be. Your relationship with God isn't where you think it should be or where you want, or maybe you were where you think you should be and, and, and you've backslid somehow. You feel like you've gone backwards. Man, be encouraged that God is not done with you. He's not finished with you. He will bring this work to completion in your life. This means that God is not waiting down the road somewhere to who you think you're supposed to be for him to meet you there. Wherever you are right now, wherever on this journey that you are, God meets you right where you are. And he will continue to move you along that line we call sanctification of making you more like Christ. And he will complete that work in you. I love this too because it means that this is not some self-help, self-improvement message. We're not, you know, working in our own abilities to try to make ourselves better, to fill in the check boxes, to achieve all of these things. Man, there is somebody else who's working on our lives and it's God. He began it and he will be he will complete it. I'm one of those that I love to be a self-improver. I'm uh I love to look for the things that are wrong and I love to fix them. One thing I've learned about God in the years that I've gotten to follow him is that I don't even have to worry about putting my own sanctification together, like my own growth plan. (laughs) He's going to bring about the things that is needed for me to grow and to trust him more. And it's a beautiful thing. It's off my shoulders, but I have that sure hope in him. So I think all of us have felt that. I don't feel like I'm where I'm supposed to be. But have you ever noticed that somebody else is not where you think they should be? Maybe they are unfinished and they are incomplete. This is why we always have to keep going back to that opening line where he says to the saints, with grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember grace and peace, students. This is a community of grace and peace. And this community is a partnership, which means we're working together as unfinished people, going toward the goal of being, of being more like Christ. Man, we can have grace for others because we're not perfect yet. They are also growing and changing and they need grace. Have patience. Have grace for others. Forgive when sinned against because you likewise need grace and patience and forgiveness. This is a community of grace and peace. And we can have that grace and peace because we have an anchored, sure hope and that God is going to complete his work in our lives. So what makes up our gospel family? The first thing we saw is that we have the same mission. We come together for a common purpose, a shared mission. We have a sure hope. And in our last few verses today, we're going to see that Paul has some very affectionate words to give to the church. He has a lot of love for his church. So let's read these together. Starting in verse 7, he says, It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, 
both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. So in this family, we have a shared mission. We have a sure hope, but we also share the love of Christ. This is a love that transcends human love, right? It's a love of Christ. We see, like I said, Paul has some very affectionate words to say. He says, I hold you in my heart. I mean, if you were deciding to write a love letter, this would be a great line <laughs> to put in your love letter. But Paul's not writing a romantic love letter, but he is writing a letter to a people that he loves very much, to a family that he cares for, that he wants to see thrive and succeed. This is a love that God has given Paul from Christ for the church. Look at this. He says, I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. This is Christ's love for the church. This is not simply Paul's big open-heartedness. This is not um, because the Philippians were so darn lovable that Paul couldn't help but loving him. No, this is a love from Christ. This means this is a love that is self-giving, a love that is self-sacrificing, a love that is so self-giving that he even died for enemies. Right, Christ died on the cross. We just celebrated this on Easter. That Christ died on the cross, not because we were so lovable, but because he knew that this was our only salvation and he loved us that much. This is the love of Christ that Paul has been given from God for the church. It is a miraculous love. And this family... This family, this gospel family, shares the love of Christ. This is a family that is known for their love. A love like Christ. A love that doesn't make sense. I mean, we make sense writing off people when they turn their backs on us, when they betray us, when they two-time us. Uh, we're, we're so used to getting vengeance and revenge and, you know, like passive-aggressive comments and subtweeting and all this. No, this is, a, this is a love that transcends all of that. That doesn't make sense. That's greater than all of that. It is a miraculous love. And Paul says his love is because you are all partakers with me. Paul returns this idea that we saw in the first point of a partnership, of partakers. They're, they're working at this together. Um, so, I mean, you can see a really great illustration of this uh, when it comes to dinner time at your household. What is happening at dinner time at your house? Perhaps, Everybody being home, maybe dinner time, you're doing a little bit more family meals than you're not used to. And, and if that's your family, you know what it means to be partakers together when you're at a dinner table together. And it's not like a restaurant where you have somebody coming and serving you and making sure your water's filled up to the brim every single time, making sure you have enough breadsticks or salad. No, this is a family table, you're partakers together, you're passing the salad, you're pouring someone's drink for them, you're passing the salt. If it's like a, 
my house on Easter Sunday when the ham is too big, you're like taking somebody's plate and putting the ham on the plate for them and passing it back, right? You're partakers of this meal together. It also means you're partakers of the mess. Uh, I was so classically known for <laughs> spilling my family. Okay, here's one of my family traditions. Growing up, we always had iced tea, iced sweet tea. I have Southern roots deep in that family. Um, so we'd have iced sweet iced tea every night for dinner. And uh, I've always been calamitous. <laughs> and so I never failed. I would knock a glass over, water would spill everywhere. You know, it's a table that has like a leaf in the table. So there's like cracks. And so it's like water falling through the cracks. It's getting on everybody's laps. It's getting all over the table. Like we're partakers in the mess together. And what happens? When the tea gets spilled everywhere, everyone's pulling out their napkin, they're throwing it on the table. Like we are partakers of all the good and all of the mess that happens. There are, there are stories that are being shared around the table. We're talking with one another. Um, if you're, you know, a mixed generational family, like at family dinners or holidays, like I have my nieces and nephews with me and it never fails. You end up getting one of them on your lap and they're like, can I can I have some of your roll? Can I have some of this? You're, you're literally sharing the food off of your plate. This family meal, this dinner, is a perfect example of what Paul is talking about, of what it means to be partakers, of what it means to be part of this family, to be doing this together, to sharing all of it together. And what, what is this family sharing? He says, you are partakers with me first of grace. We already talked about it right there in the intro. Grace and peace. We are given grace because we so desperately need it. And we give that grace to others. But then he says some other things that are a little interesting. He says, you're partakers of me of grace and in my imprisonment. Much more serious than my spilled tea. But like my spilled tea... <laughs> We partake in one another's grief and one another's suffering. This is a table where we share burdens. We share suffering together. And the believers in Philippi shared in Paul's suffering. They mourned as he was in prison. They sent him gifts and help. Um, they prayed for him. And it was a great comfort for Paul to know that while he was alone in chains and in the dark, that there were believers who were praying for him, who were waiting to hear from him, who were eager to know how he was doing. And so they shared in his suffering. In a lot of ways, they shared in his chains. And so this family partakes of grace together. They partake of one another's suffering. And then, like we've already said, and he says in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, we share a common mission, a common purpose. Like even while Paul seems to be stalled in his mission, like he can't move forward in the gospel proclamation, it's so encouraging and comforting for him to know that it's still going, that the people at Philippi, that that church is still proclaiming the gospel. They're still sharing with one another. They're still inviting people to meet Jesus. They have the same mission. He knows that this mission goes far beyond him. Man, this is a kind of partaking that creates a deep affection for one another. It is a love of Christ that we share together. It's so much greater than having similar hobbies. 
Man, I had a lot of good friends in high school. Yes, I've said it so many times, I was the band kid. <laughs> I had so many friends because we had a shared activity together. We played music together. And years later, when that's not even a part of my life anymore, those, some of, a lot of those relationships broke down because we didn't have that common thing any longer. The family of God transcends hobbies and sports and groups and clubs and activities and all of it because it's so much greater. It is a family that shares grace and struggles and purpose. It's, it's in this perspective of partaking together on a family table that actually transforms the way that we see mission. Because mission and telling other people about Jesus and sharing is, is not about, hey, here's the company line, let me try to sell this thing to you and see if you'll buy in. Or like, let me present this truth in an attractive way so that you'll like sign the dotted line. No, it's about inviting someone to be in this family to participate as a member of the table, to share in the grace and to share the struggles and to be on mission together. It's inviting someone to be a part of the family. And so this family, what are we made of? We have the same mission. We have a sure hope that God will complete in us what he's working on and that we share the love of Christ together. This is what our family is made of. This passage is about us. This book, Philippians, is about us as a church, as a family. How does this gospel family live? And in this moment, it causes us to stop and to pause and to think, what is your family going through right now? If you pause and you stop and you kind of step out of your own skin for a moment and ask that question, what is my family going through right now? What are those people going through right now? Your immediate family and the family of Christ, us, all of us here. What are we marked by? Are we a family that has grace? <laughs> are we giving grace to one another? How are you giving grace to one another? Or perhaps has impatience and frustration and anger begin to take a foothold in your life? Has it begun to flare up in your heart? Lord, work in our hearts, complete this work and rid us of these things. Are you creating peace in this family? How are you creating peace in this family? Or has perhaps tension and division and fighting broke out in this family? God, give us reconciliation. Help us to forgive. And Lord, rid us of these things. So we're a family of grace, peace, but how are you encouraging others? How are you encouraging others in this family? Who have you talked to even during this time saying, I'm praying for you, or hey, hang in there, it's gonna be okay, or, or share scripture with, or perhaps has self-centeredness and conceit only thinking about what's happening in my life and mopiness of like, oh, why do I have to go through this? 
as that begin to creep into your life. God, help us to see beyond our noses. Help us to see beyond and help us to be an encouraging people. How are you joining on mission? How are you participating and being active participants of the gospel, of the mission during this time? Has complacency or laziness, tiredness, (laughs) or fear put you to sleep to the bigger picture? We've talked about this several times. This is a moment in history that is a big deal. (laughs) Please don't be asleep during it. Wake up. Join us on mission. God, activate our hearts to follow you on mission. Let us have grace and peace to be encouraging and encouraging one another on mission. Ultimately, Lord, help us to share the love of Christ with each other and with others. Let us be a family that's made up of love on mission together made up of love and on mission together, only made possible because our hope is sure and it is anchored in the work that God will complete, that Christ is working in us. God is not finished with us. We are, as of yet, unfinished. And this good work that He has begun in you, He will complete. And we thank God for that. Let me pray for us. Lord God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your promises. We thank you that you are faithful and true. God, that we can be sure and anchored in our hope in you. God, we thank you that you supernaturally, miraculously transform our hearts and begin to teach us and train us and to grow us in these things, to grow us in our uh, action on mission to grow us in our grace for one another, to grow us in peace and encouragement. God, we pray, God, that you would help us to keep our eyes on you this week. God, help us to look beyond ourselves and what we're going through. God, help us to look even beyond this historical moment and see the bigger picture of the work that you are doing. This moment is temporary, God, but you and your kingdom are eternal. And so, God, we thank you that you have saved us, that you are currently saving us, and that one day we will rejoice in full and complete salvation. God, we love you. We trust you today. God, help us to follow you and where you will take us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.